Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday afternoon. Um, Turns out somebody ended up uh, stepping forward to sponsor this. We'll do the Haftorah today. I want to thank A. Bluck. I think he's going to do it another time, but that's very nice. Uh, to step into um, into the breach from Bluck Plumbing in Lakewood. And without any further ado, let me get down to the body of this. As always, very interesting Haftorah this week is, of course, Bullock and that would put it as at Micha, which is... There, because, as I mentioned the other day, he makes reference to the Bowman Bullock, Bullock and Bill incident. Um, but that's not the part that's usually quoted. The thing that makes the most, uh, you know, uh, most famous part about it is the last verse. What does the Lord ask of you? As to be kind and uh, walk straight and things like that. But just in general, since you probably don't know Tanakh too well, Tanakh, uh, we have a prophet named Michal. This is a prophecy of Michal. And I think he's the only prophet mentioned in another book. Uh, uh, and he's given Musa to people like is in this week's Parsha. It's a big Musa schmooze. Surprise, surprise. And in the book of Yermiel, Jeremiah, there's a certain place in chapter 26 where Jeremiah, as I think everybody knows, is giving a prophecy of gloom and doom. And he said the temple will be destroyed. Right? The Yermiel was told to prophesy during the time of the evil king Yoyakim. And he basically says this place is going, you know, destroyed. Okay? Then, uh, boom, I'll make this. I'll wipe it out like I did in Mishkan Shiloh. And he got arrested. When Yermiel finished his speech of doom and gloom in the temple, they got arrested immediately by the Kohanim and the prophets, the false prophets, and they said, we're going to die. Why have you given a prophecy of gloom and doom in the name of God? Why did you say this place will be destroyed? Uh, and and the, the officers, they set up a court over there, this guy's worthy of getting killed for saying this prophecy of gloom and doom. I'm referring to the prophet Jeremiah. Because he gave this terrible prophecy. And Yermiel said, listen, do what you want. I'm just telling what God told me to say. If you do tshuva, that's a different story. Then God will change his mind. But if you don't do tshuva, you're doomed. Do what you want to me. But you better know something. You kill me, you're going to put innocent blood. You know, then you'll be killing somebody innocent. I just gave a real prophecy. And then comes the funny part. The interesting part. The people, the crowd said, 
Don't kill the guy. He's a prophet. He just he said what God told him to say. And some old guys stood up there in the temple. And they said the following. Long ago, we used to have a guy named Micha. That's our Haftar today. Micha Marashti, Micha from Marisha. And he used to prophesy, So this now is the time of Yoyakim. This will be three, four, five kings back. Okay? And this guy, Micha, used to give Musr. That one day, Tzion will be a plowing field, meaning it will be destroyed. Yishalayim im tiyan, Jerusalem will be a wasteland. Faharabayis, Levamus Yarp. And the temple mountain will be a forest. Hehomis is chizkyo b'choyuhuda. Did they kill the guy for saying that? No, there's Micha used to give him hell. Did they punish him for that? Halo yaris Hashem, the opposite. Chizkyo is a from guy. Vayichaz p'nei Hashem. And they prayed to the Lord. No, they did tshuva. Vayinacham Hashem r'ashir b'lachim. Right? And God changed his mind and didn't kill him. So notice the the Nevu was successful. And now you're going to kill this guy, Yermio, for trying to do the same thing, and so on and so forth. So And obviously they don't kill Yermio in the end. So you see a very interesting passage in the book of Yermio, which refers to the prophecies of our hero today, Micha. Now the, uh, and you know, it's very uh, rhetorical, and you know, and he says, why you, you know, like a Jewish mother said, what did I do wrong to you? You know, sounds like people are complaining and bortching about Hashem all the time. So much trouble in life. And, uh, you know, he's, Shimu Harim is Riva Hashem, but he's son of Mosley Arts. I, God says, I call the mountains, you know, and the rocks to uh, t- testify. Let's have a, a debate. What I do so bad to you? You're always abandoning me and going for Avodazar. I got you out of Egypt, didn't I? I send you three good leaders. And what about Bolak and Bilam? Didn't I help you over there? And now comes the interesting part. Then the prophet goes and says, Micha, see, he's giving this whole Musa Shmuz. I'm cutting to the chase. Right? I'm cutting to the chase. And he says, Look, see, the people say that they, let's say they want to repent. How do you repent? What exactly do you do? This is a great question. Maybe he made them feel bad as a result of this and say, you know, Hashem got you out of so many scrapes before. And people say, oh, we've sinned. So how do I come before the Lord and bow before him? Meaning, so what exactly should I do? You see, they were religiously kind of screwed up. And they honestly didn't know what exactly to do. Should I bring carbonus, fat calves, and things like that? You know, juicy meat? Do you think that's it? Because that must be what the people said. When they heard his schmooze, and he got to them, let's see, he was a good speaker. As we saw before, in the reference in the book of Jeremiah, he was a good speaker. Then when he gave him hell, the king repented, the people repented. Repenting is half the, is half the, uh, the business. Repentance means charot alavar kabbalah alasid. So charot alavar, let's say they did, but kabbalah alasid is not so simple. A guy gets up and says, like "You're not davening right," and this, and that, and the other. You know, no kavanah. Person says, "I guess you know he's got a point." But if he doesn't give you an exact idea what to do, for many many people, it's useless because just to point out something you did wrong, the person says, 
I'm sorry I did wrong. But are you going to do it again? Well, I am going to do it again. You get in the rope, you know, you get in the, in the, in the framework and you end up doing it again. So what's the plan to change? Uh, obviously, people must have said like this, you know, we've been bad and so on and so forth. We sinned. Now we're going to show God that we're turning over a new leaf by bring, by spending money and bringing a lot of carbonos. By bringing a lot of carbonos. Um, it came from a good place. <laughs> the person said, listen, you know, obviously there's a base of Magdish. There's carbon, uh, what do you call it? You know, uh, voluntary offerings, right? And the Dovas and things like that. A person shows how sincere they are within a Dova business. Okay, I mean, I hear that. I get it. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, as is often the case, it's not effective. And it's the HR telling you to do it. What do you mean CHR telling me to do it? So it's a tobe. I'm going to bring more companies to make some English. And I've got to change the character. You see? This is the most famous passage in the whole book of Micha, and one of the most famous passages in t the entire Bible. I'm serious. And uh, the non from the conservative form, been building on this for years, and it's a good passage to use for whatever purposes. Because the prophet is emphasizing the moral over the ceremonial. The moral over the ceremonial. Today, being Orthodox Jew is mainly ceremonial. Get it? Tell me if somebody's a from Jew. Well, does he keep Shabbos? Does he keep kosher? You know, things like that, right? The, the way it says, is, mikvah, so on and so forth. So you never brought up whether you're honest, <laughs> whether you're nice, right? Whether you're doing Nostavarim. Never brought any of that. Everything was pulled down to ceremonial ritual. You define, as a matter of fact, I'll even go farther. Show me a guy who was a real schmo. And did all kind of cheating in business, and ends up in federal penitentiary, and 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 ripped off people right and left. But he's got a shrine leaving in jail, and he has a dafiomi, so it's like he's a from God. Show me somebody else who's totally honest. Uh, Erlich has the days long, but he doesn't keep shabbos, he doesn't keep kosher. You know, that's all he's not from. So you define the from strictly on the basis of the externals. Is that true? Now, sociologically, it's true. If you ask a sociologist today. What is an Orthodox Jew in the United States of America or elsewhere? They'll say, does he conform to these types of practices? Get it? Does he conform to certain rituals? Uh, they won't bring up the moral. Now, is that correct? Or is it not correct? We all know it's not correct. One of the places is our Haftar today. <laughs> One of the places is our Haftar today. Where you... Now, I want to say something. The reason it's turned into the way it's turned into is, I think... I think the reason it's turned into is because without the ritual stuff, the Jewish doesn't last. Okay? Somebody could be a wonderful person, and I'm serious about this. I'm not being funny. Somebody could be a wonderful person and have tremendous amidos and be extremely moral, all the rest of it. If they don't have the things like the Shabbos, the Kashra, all the rest of it, they'll end up intermarriage or this, that, and the other. The kid, it won't last. It'll be a one time deal, and the children will go a different way if it happens. Sometimes the parents are able to communicate their nice meadows to the children. Other times not. After all, the father and the mother grew up in one environment, let's say in Ozzie and Harriet. The kids are now growing up with the internet. It's a different time. But let, so sometimes they're able to do that, and sometimes not. Any teacher, rabbi, professor, you can tell, you can tell the, kid, the kids who came from finer families. On the other hand, on the other hand, the person... You don't have the good meters, but he keeps the Shabbos and the tits and all the rest of it. 
their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great chance to be Jewish, to be Yidden. Uh, they might be jerks. They might be schmoes. They might be cheaters. I'm sorry to say this, you know. Shouldn't be. It's terrible. But they'll still be Yidden. So somewhere along the line, hopefully somebody will get it right. This generation will be cheaters. Next generation will be cheaters. The third generation will get it right. This generation will be lost on heart specialists. The grandchildren will be lost on heart specialists. The great-grandchildren will be lost on heart specialists. And maybe the great-great-grandchildren will turn around. You have a chance at least. So therefore, there's an emphasis on the ceremonial. But as far as God is concerned, as in the bigger picture, what is it that counts? And so the prophet is raising that in a fascinating way in our Haftar when he says, Hashem, How do I approach the Lord? Bow to the, to the great God of heavens. Should bring uh, sacrifices, carbonas? And it's rhetorical. This is one of the great uh, speakers, uh, the prophet Michal. He says, Do you really think God do you think God really wants about thousands of carbonas? Does he want rivers of oil? Because you know you bring menachos and the oil, he mix it together with the olive oil and all the rest of it. You really think God's turned on by that? Hey, then you say like this, listen. Okay, I get it. An animal is garnish. And a flower, you know, for a mincha is definitely garnish. So I'll do a human sacrifice, right? Human sacrifice. Then, then I show really mean it. Then I show really mean it. Not really. All you showed is that you were willing to give God your son. I mean, as, as horrible as that is, you're willing to give God your son, your daughter. You didn't change. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? When you give, that's one of the things about tzedakah. Tzedakah doesn't require you to change anything. Now, we're all in favor of tzedakah because the poor person benefits, no matter what you are. That part's true. So tzedakah is fantastic. But tzedakah doesn't change you. Get it? You have a buck here, or two bucks there, or something like that. I'll say it again. It's a very important mitzvah. And I'm not just saying that, you know, it is. But it doesn't change you. It's the, it's the easy way out. Right? It's the easy way out. That's why all the schools and yeshivas were built by now from money. Because they got to them enough that the guy went, was willing to cut a check for the yeshiva. Which is good. Right? But it didn't require him to change his lifestyle. So, Hatem Bechori Pishi. Should I give a human sacrifice? My Bechor? My Pre-Beten? Right? So they're thinking entirely in terms of the expression of religiosity is through the means of sacrifice. That is, you take something of yours and you get rid of it. You destroy it for God and that shows I really like you. Or I'm really sorry. I hurt myself. After all, God forbid, a guy kills his son. It hurts a lot. You see, I was willing to hurt myself a lot to show you how much I, I want to be good with you. I love you, or this, that, and the other. So this is, now you can laugh at this today, but these ideas were around that time. I want to point out, in the time of the Old Testament, in the prime of Micha, Micah, and Jeremiah, and Isaiah, you I'm sorry to say this, you had human sacrifices going and going to Jerusalem. This is the Moloch, right? Uh, which is referred to, there was a place in Jerusalem called Geben Hinnom, Gehenom, there was a valley where they did the sacrifice. He used to bang on the drum so nobody she heard a kid screaming and all the rest of it. So that's where we get the concept of hell, even though it's no relation to hell whatsoever. But it's the closest thing you can approximate. Uh, just a horror scene. You see, imagine what it was like then, and burning kids alive and all this kind of stuff. So people had screwed up hashkafas, and they thought it's a good thing. And here's the prophet saying, you know, the, and the good thing lies in the fact that sure, I really mean it. I, I gave something value to me, right? You know, it's like, it's like, there's a certain mentality that goes like this. 
I'm going to make up a story. Let's say you insulted me. <laughs> Bad. Ten years ago. Let's just make that up. The guy comes to me and I say, Cats, you know, I want to apologize. I say, heck with that. You know, too late. You messed everything up. Let's say it's like that. You know, you caused me a lot of trouble and this, that, and the other. That's one scenario. Now I'm going to tell you another scenario. The guy's a businessman. He comes to me the cats. I really screwed you over. I did this and that and the other. And to show I really mean it, I'm giving you $250,000. I said, well, 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 well. That means the guy means it. <laughs> right? He took a big chunk out of his own thing. And he means it. Now, how does he mean it? Only because he he, he took a sacrifice. <laughs> You get it? It's that's that's the mentality that I'm talking about. Now, really, maybe the person, you know, didn't feel so bad about it, but he wanted to get the forgiveness. And so, by the way, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, it could be if you ask your bestrosalanter if a guy cheated or hurt another guy, and he wanted to really, you know, make a shalom b'shalva achvas b'achva. You know, maybe maybe should do it. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm simply saying. That it's one approach in which a person says like this. By showing how much I'm taking out of my pocket, I'm sacrificing, I'm giving up, I'm doing without. That shows the sincerity, right, of my feelings. And um, then I can move on. So I, the insulter, might be the same jerk I was before. But I said, you know, I got so many enemies, this and the other. I want to put Parsha's cats behind me. Then I worry about the other Parsha's. And so he was willing to just take money out of pocket to put Pasha's cats behind him. You know, it's it's not a dumb move, but it's like a businessman. So you're treating morality from a business perspective. Like I said before about Tzedakah, 250K is 250K. The person is nan, the person benefits from that. But has there been a true transformation of the sinner? You see? That not. So the prophet says, Should I give uh, um, a lot of money in Carbonus, or should I even sacrifice my children? And that'll show you, oh Lord, how much I regret my misdeeds from before and how much I want to be in your good graces now. And Micha, of course, our prophet, Micah says, no, you already know, God has told you in the Torah, what is the good? And God has already told you in the Torah what God demands from you. All it is is asas mishpat, he wants you to act with mishpat, in other words, justly, certainly in mumminess and things like that. Avas chesed, walk humbly before the Lord. Hasnei um, leches, as we call it. Right? Uh, to, to, to be humble. Now, where does it say that? Where does it say in the Chumash? You know, asis mishpat. Actually, this verse is not true. It says, what does the Lord ask from you? All the Lord asks for you is, do justice, love a chesed, and walk humbly before the Lord. Fine, it's a deal. I don't have to keep Shabbos anymore, <laughs> right? Don't have to worry about Chametz and Pesach. Don't have to wear tzitzis. Great, no bris mila. All I need is to be. I tell you again, this was the slogan of the Reform Movement when they started. Uh, I, I mean, for real, they used to quote this. It's avas chesed, asas mishpat, hasne lechesim mokecha. You don't need all the rituals. As far as I'm aware, Judaism pretty doggone. Ritual heavy, ceremony heavy, isn't it? So what does all this mean? That is a very good question, and therefore it calls for a, a, a deeper answer, I think. Um, and I'll tell you what it's coming from. You see from over here that the mitzvahs are not ends in themselves, but the mitzvahs are means to an end. Okay? Means to an end. 
Means to an end means you do the mitzvahs, the 613 mitzvahs, the ones that apply to you, so that you will attain a certain level. The level is you can't get the, the fact that the Torah says you got all these mitzvahs means this is the only way you're going to do it. Uh, this is the only way you're going to do it. So if that's the only way you're going to do it, okay. Okay? It's the only way he's going to do it. Now, um, is it true? Well, it's not so simple. Um, I'll tell you the theoretical, and then we can see the practical. The theoretical you'll find in the Rambam. I just I have to do this week a uh, a series I'm doing the Maimonidean controversies, and so I'm rereading some of the old Rambams, especially Hosea's. And it's very interesting in the fourth chapter. First, he gives you the science of the 12th century, you know, the cosmology and the angelology and the physics. Everything's, you know, the old uh, theories that everything comes from four elements and so on and so forth, golem and surah and all that business. And the the end is very interesting. He says, Call Dwarm, this in chapter four, Call Dwarm Elo should in Hilchisiri Torah. Anything I've told you before about the heavens, the earth, the composition of physics, metaphysics, the angels, the Galgalim, Kamar Midlihim is a drop of the ocean. It's a lot more than I told you. And all these things here are what we call Maisa Bracious. And, and then you have Maisa Merkava. So Maisimakov is even more sublime. You know, Maisim Brashi can communicate a little bit. Maisimakov, as we all know, you don't even touch. Except in the in the most uh what's the right what's the right word? Or uh, 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 confined and uh, limited way. Now, um Vinyani Arba and these uh four chapters I've just gone through which involved with the various uh, fundamental myths of Judaism, which would be the latest Yeshua Yishnodah is a God, that there's only one God, Liachto, Laavo, Liermimenu, and so on and so forth. Heim Shachacham Kom Pardis. These things are the Pardis. Okay? Kumoshamu Arbanichnil Pardis. As we all know the story, the Rabbi Kiva and the other three, you know, when the Pardis. Even there were the great Chachamim, the Ramam says, Even people of that Madrega, some of them weren't holding together to understand it correctly, and therefore they messed up. And the Ramam himself says, Don't get into Pardis stuff until first you've eaten Lechem and Bosser. Right? What does it mean, lechem and basar? To know shas, meaning to know the six hundred thirteen mitzvahs. Let me be more exact. To know the six hundred thirteen mitzvahs, know what's also what's mutter and so forth. To know the practical ritual side of things. And even though the practical halachas are called davar katan, compared to what we're talking about, the um, physics, the metaphysics, the angelology, and all the rest of it. 
Because the Gemara says in a certain reference that Meisim recovers Dover Gadol and Shas, Havais Dover and Rav is Dover Katan. Afal Bikin Ruim Lakdimam. Still, you have to know the less important stuff first. The less important stuff first. Okay? Uh, why? Shehem Miyashim Daito Shalom Tchila. Very interesting language. To give Yeshiv Adas, meaning they direct you. I don't mean, I don't, it doesn't mean calmly, right? Yeshiv Adas. I'm reading the note. They teach how to be a civilized person, not to hurt others, and so on and so forth. And therefore, it makes it for a social contract. It's possible to have a society. I can live next to you. You don't bother me, I don't bother you. That's why Tanayim are called Miyashve Olam. They help they advance the cause of civilization. When you have a really, um, what's the right word, a civilized uh, a group, they can go to higher madriga. They can think of higher things. If you're living in a time where there's social disharmony and the riots and things like that, or gzela, whatever, you don't have time to think of higher things. You're just protecting yourself all the time. Okay? Right? That's why he, he says it. It's possible for anybody around him says, Ish, Isha, a smarty or dummy. So, what do you take from this? The purpose of the mitzvahs is not ending themselves. The purpose of the mitzvahs is to create a civilized society. At the Yachid level and at the Rabbim level. At the Yachid level the Rabbim level. When you do that, then it develops a certain personality. Or let me put it this way, it's supposed to. Now I'll tell you what I mean. It's possible for a person to say like this, I would like to steal and kill the guy next door to me, but I can't, the Torah says, oh, sir, darn it. <laughs> you know? I would have a. I would like to see Lashon Hara and pay that guy back for some, I'm not allowed to do it. So that person is going around all day long, keeping the Torah, adhering to the mitzvahs, but, you know, let him put it this way, champing at the bit. He doesn't like it. He just, he's a good person, okay? Halavai, we should all be in the level where, grumbling or not, we keep everything, right? But that's missing the point. He's supposed to move to the next level somewhere along the line, become more mature and say, why does the Torah aser Lashon Hara? Why does the Torah say you can't do Gezel? Why does the Torah tell me I'm not allowed to go and hurt somebody else or say hurt, hurt, hurtful words or things like that? What, what is the reason? He said, I don't know, I'm just wrong. I have a list at home. I'm a real firm guy. I have, every day I have a checklist. And one of them is, do I go through the day without saying Lashon Hara? Then I check it off. Very good. I'll tell you again, not many people can do that. If I go through the day and keep kosher, I'll check off a list. Very good. No, it's not. I mean, it's good, but at a basic level. Higher level, it's not. Because what you want is, you should be transformed into a civilized human being. A civilized human being, instead of your Asus Mishra, it's three very interesting concepts. Avas chesed is very interesting. A lot of people do chesed. It doesn't mean they love it. Right? You do it out of sense of duty. You know, I see a poor person. I realize he needs a break. I help him out. That's good. I, or, or a favor. I know somebody, you know, calls up, they need a favor, you do a favor. I'll say again, there are plenty of people that don't do the favors and plenty of people that don't give it to the alcohol. So I can consider myself pretty good if I do. And that is true. 
That is true. But that's not the point. The way the 613 mitzvah should end up is, I'm a person I have Avas Chesed. That's already not so easy. If you're honest, if you, you know, if you don't shoot the bull. That's not so easy. Asus Mishpat. Hatsnei Alechesim Elkecha. Interesting concept. Hatsnei Alechesim Elkecha. To walk humbly before the Lord. Uh, humility, it's a, that's a tricky business. Because as far as I understand it, Hatsnei Alechesim Elkecha. I mean, what does that mean, Elkecha? I understand it to mean deep down that you really mean it. Correct? You know, Hatsnei Alech is with the public that you, everybody puts on a show of that. If you have a half a brain. Right, when you walk around looking arrogant, you know, Hasnechen Melkechas, you really mamashar um, Tsunua, you know, you really are humble, like Moshe Bainu was, you know, you really are. Emelkechah means God can see in you, and so either either it's real or it's not. If I'm Hasnechen Melkechas and Bipfnim, I'm not, then I'm Hasnechen Melkechas of Necha Adam, but I'm not Hasnechen Melkechas Emelkechah, right? And so this prophet is a tough guy. He says, to the public, is you want to do tshuva, you better, you know, forget the, the sacrifice business, even the human sacrifice business. It's not about taking out of your pocket. It's not about giving up your own sort of thing. Are you carrying on the mitzvahs in such a way, or you and your wife, your children, all the rest of it, that you can say our family is characterized by Asas Mishpat, Avas Chesed, Hasnei Kecha. That's a tall order. And that's a tall order. Not everybody's built that way, but that's the ideal. As far as I'm aware, this is the most famous passage from Micha. I think it's one of the three or four or five most famous passages in the entire Torah Shabbat I'm serious. Very often quoted. Uh, it's not so often understood because, as I said before, it sounds like a cliche. But when you sit consider the time and the place, now this guy Micha is living in the time of Chizkiah, and um, things are pretty bad over there. And on the other hand, the other hand, he is... Um, trying to inspire them to repent. And we see from the book of Jeremiah that he did get them to repent. Because he said, Sion, I'm just reading what it says in the book of Yermio, that Micha said, Sion, uh, to Kharish. And it didn't in the end, not in his time. So he did get them to repent. But what does it mean to get somebody to repent? Right? What does it mean to get somebody to repent? He obviously was a good enough speaker that people said, so what do we do? And he said, I'll tell you what not to do. It's not a matter of giving tzedakah, although he's not against that. It's not a matter of bringing Karbonus Nadov, although he's not against that. It's certainly not a matter of bringing human sacrifice. He is against that, right? But it's this other part. Of Avas Chesed, you know, Asas, what is it, Asas Mishpat? So this Shabbos, if you hear this Parsha, this could be an interesting conversation at your family table. Uh, in, in our group, our family, uh, are we one out of three, two out of three, three out of three, or zero out of three? Honestly, right? Honestly, zero out of three. Now, I didn't say, do you not perform the rituals? Because chances are you do. But is it a result of the performance of the rituals result in Hatznei Lechesi Melkecho? Does the, perform, the result of the performance of the rituals result in Avas Chesed and so forth? That is already a shtickle Nisoyen, right? That's a, that's a fairly high bar. Uh, and I think that's, to me, that's the most gripping part of the Parsha. Again, the the previous verse where he says, remember what happened to Bullock and Bilaam, that's the reason it's included in this uh, Haftorah. But far more famous and more uh, Nogea, shall I say, it, to my mind, 
is the last three or four verses where he raises the question that I've just discussed with you today. Once again, I want to thank the Glucks. And uh, we came through. I don't have anybody next week. It's running tight over here. But uh, uh, I do wish everybody a uh, good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.